So we're reading from Luke chapter 3, verses 21 to 38, which is on page 1029 of the Church Bibles. So Luke chapter 3, starting at verse 21. When all the people were being baptised, Jesus was baptised too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Mathat, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Jani, the son of Joseph, the son of Mattathias, the son of Amos, the son of Nahum, the son of Esli, the son of Nagai, the son of Math, the son of Mattathias, the son of Semine, the son of Josek, the son of Jodah the son of Jonan, the son of Reza, the son of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, the son of Neri, the son of Melchi, the son of Adi, the son of Kossam, the son of Elmadam, the son of Er, the son of Joshua, the son of Eliza, the son of Joram, the son of Mathat, the son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of Jonam, the son of Eliakim, the son of Melia, the son of Mena the son of Mattathah, the son of Nathan, the son of David, the son of Jess, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Salmon, the son of Nashon, the son of Aminadab, the son of Ram, the son of Hezron, the son of Perez, the son of Judah, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah, the son of Nahor, the son of Serug, the son of Ru, the son of Peleg, the son of Eber, the son of Shelah, the son of Canaan, the son of Arphaxad, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lamech, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mahalalel, the son of Kenan, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Very well raised, Hannah. Thank you very much indeed. So good evening, everybody. Shall we pray together? Oh, Father, we want to thank you again for the scriptures, the complicated bits as well as the simple bits. Uh, and we want to ask you to help us, please, by your Holy Spirit, so that we can learn more about Jesus and increasingly share your passion to rescue this world. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, when Steve uh, asked me to uh, preach on this passage, I'll come clean. I have one main thought, and that was, I've drawn the short straw. Uh, Luke's words, well, I won't say they're, they're easy to read, but uh, what do they mean, especially the genealogy? When brain power fails, uh, with my short straw in hand, off I usually go to Google. Okay, Google, I say in full optimism, Luke's genealogy, what does it mean? A short pause followed by the reassuring voice, sorry, I don't know that one. So I thought about it, and I've decided what I hope will be a better way. My hope tip for this evening is abandon Google. Instead, ask Michael, uh, rather not just me, but together, we will make a voyage of discovery. 
in fact, to uncover everything that Luke is saying in this passage, not just the genealogy, but we're going to focus on the genealogy to start off with. So if you've got your Bibles open, Luke 3 from verse 21, just a taster on the genealogy to start off with. First of five short discovery questions, what kind of genealogy is this? What kind of genealogy? Now, thinking about it, I did wonder if this, is, uh, this family tree is something like who do you think you are on TV? You may have seen it. That's where celebs discover their ancestors. For instance, Danny Dreyer from, uh, Danny Dyer from EastEnders found his great, great, great something grandfather was Edward III. How amazing. And Danny and us viewers, we choke back the tears, of course. Main lesson is, today's genealogies are about our relatives, our ancestors. But, think about it now, put Jesus on who do you think you are, and as likely as not, you would have a blank page. Because, by definition, God has no relations, apart from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and no ancestors there, of course. So the question is, how can the eternal Son of God be related to anyone, to anyone human? Well, keep that in mind, and we'll go back to the proper order of the text, and here we are at the Jordan River, that memorable day when Jesus is baptised. Luke 3, verse 21, when all the people were being baptised, Jesus was baptised too. A very simple statement. But as my Jewish mum used to say, there's more to this than meets the eye. Now, talk of being Jewish, I don't know whether you know this, but uh, Jewish people love telling Jewish jokes. So here's one I first heard at my mother's knee. It's about two Jewish mates, Samuel and Daniel. Samuel says, Daniel, I got a problem. My boy, he went and got baptised. And Daniel says, Samuel, I got a problem. My boy got baptised. So what did you do? I asked the Almighty. And what did the Almighty say? I got a problem. My boy went and got baptised. So for obvious reasons, next question, why did Jesus get baptised? Now, if we're sharp, we'll, we'll have already noticed that John's baptism is not your normal Christian baptism. It's a repentance baptism. That means that it's a spiritual clear-out. Repentance is an about turn. Everything wrong gets sent to the trash. John's repentance, it's his preparation for the Messiah. And when Messiah comes, he will bring what? The forgiveness of sins, these sins. So, of course, if Jesus is God... Well, he's got nothing to repent of, has he? Why then does Jesus join in? Again, I thought about this, and I wonder whether it's a bit like a TV trailer. A trailer gives an overview, doesn't it? A kind of a pre-run of all the episodes rolled into one. So maybe this is like a very brief trailer, because by identifying so personally with John's repentance baptism, the sinless Jesus effectively says to the sinful world, here's the big exchange, the big exchange, my sinlessness for your sin. My sinlessness for your sin. The big exchange. Have you ever wondered what's wrong with ourselves deep down, you know, with our lives and actions? Well, Jesus immediately diagnoses it, doesn't he? In this great, wonderfully created world, sin has sunk its teeth deep into every one of us. It will never loosen its grip. Undealt with, it will eventually burn up everything good, destroy us and the world and all worlds everywhere. Only God has the power to put things right. Only God. Can he pay the repentance price? That's a question. Does he want to? That's another question. That's the trailer. So this, then, will require maximum effort. It's a big, big thing to do. What we could call the Messiah rescue plan. He will exchange 
his sinfulness, his sinlessness for our sinfulness. More later on that. So this voyage of discovery, it continues uh, untraveled. Because the next scene in the baptism is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in verse 22, And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. By the way, when Luke says uh, bodily form, he means that this event was visible. Like in his introduction, he says, these are eyewitnesses' accounts. But these events are not just visible, they're audible too. And you can hear them, and we'll return to that too. Okay, discovery question number three. When the Messiah comes, how will he be recognized? How to recognize the Messiah? Well, I don't know if you know this. uh, In the Hebrew scriptures, uh, the most common name for the Messiah is Son of God. Son of God. Nothing less than the Creator, walking the stage of human history, But how will the Son of God, when he does, when he comes, how will he be recognized? Well, there are other trailers on this. In fact, the Old Testament is full of them. Uh, This one from Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. Isaiah 11, verse 1. So Luke records what is an eyewitness account that this same spirit descends on Jesus in bodily form. They could see it. He flew down like a dove, the bringer of peace, and all that Isaiah prophesies. And then heaven is opened. Heaven is opened. It's visible and audible. Not only does the spirit descend, but here is that voice coming from heaven itself. You are my son, who I love, with whom I am well pleased. If I say this is one of the best bits of the Bible, I think it is. I wonder if you can see why. Uh, To explain it, let's pause and think of a best memory, a best memory, a personal best that maybe each of us may be storing away uh, in our thoughts. Now, have a moment to think, a best memory, something really marvellous has happened to you in the past. I'll give you a moment to be quiet. Okay, uh, we can't share them all, so we won't go around the church sharing them. Uh, But if it's okay with you, here's one of mine. Uh, just after Christmas, Saturday the 28th of December in our little village church, St. Peter's, Joanna, our youngest daughter, was married to Ed. She looked gorgeous and I got to walk her down the aisle. And even better, deftly swapped places and then conducted her wedding service. Uh, this is one of my best bits. Now I appreciate not all memories are, are wonderful, but thinking of your best memories, can you experience or recall the joy, the happiness, uh, a best day ever? The point? This voice from heaven is possibly the greatest expression of joy ever heard. You are my son, who I love, with whom I am well pleased. Can't see it? Well, well pleased, well pleased, yes. I suppose about three stars, that's worth. But the problem is the translation. It dumbs it down. It's difficult to know how to, um, to render it, but well pleased means far more than even five stars. It means thrilled, over the moon. Why? My boy got baptized. So why is God so thrilled? Well, he never put up a Facebook page, did he? Meet your new friend Jesus, impeccably dressed, handsome, trendy, rolling in it. But God's joy isn't trendy Jesus, but what's in Jesus' heart, God's rescue plan. And what we see then in this first episode of the rescue plan is something like one of those turning points in the Second World War, where victory comes into sight. For with Jesus' public debut, so begins the final battle, where the rescuer, the Messiah, stands in for humanity, repents for our sins, eventually to take the penalty for them. The heart of Jesus thrills the heart of God. 
And so we come to this puzzling genealogy. This puzzling genealogy. I don't think it's puzzling. Question number four. What is the point of it? Well, Luke has given us the first main episode, so what follows? I wonder if this is a little bit like the credits when they roll in the cinema. The credits. Uh, Last Thursday, Claire and I went to see David Copperfield. David Copperfield is Dev Patel. Very good film. Really good. Highly recommended. Now, sad but true, I love the credits. So while uh, early leavers race to the exit, I'm glued to my seat till the house lights go on. And Luke says, stay on for these credits because the message of this family tree is as stunning as the baptism. Some may have noticed Luke and Matthew both have uh, baptisms, both have genealogies, uh, and they're different. So is this the most famous mistake, because they're different, is this the most famous mistake in the Bible? No, it isn't, because it's intentional. Luke and Matthew deliberately emphasize different things. We'll come back to that, but since God doesn't have relis, why do both lists suggest that he does? That's a good question. Well, I suppose we need to have a quick uh, overview, a quick lesson on genealogies. You know, think of genealogies today, and you can, you can pay for them on, online and all sorts. Uh, today, our family trees only cover actual ancestors. But these genealogies are quite different. Genealogies in the Bible in general are quite different. They include ancestors, but add in figures of faith. And this is to enrich our understanding of who Jesus is. So Matthew's family tree, for instance, runs forward from Abraham to Mary, the lesson, to show the baton of God's covenant faithfully being passed on and fulfilled in Jesus. And in Luke's family tree, well, it teaches Jesus is fully God and fully human. That's why the line goes right back from Joseph to Adam. Now, clearly, Joseph is not Jesus' biological father, But he is both a spiritual and human father. And this is about the solidarity of a Jewish family, the human Jesus raised in Joseph's family of faith. So all this is designed to show Jesus as human as well as divine. It's sometimes called the mystery of the incarnation. But as mystery comes in the Bible, the mystery has been revealed. And this is Luke's big teaching point. The human Jesus, the human Jesus can identify with the destructive power of our sins and as God he has divine capacity to deal with them the human Jesus can identify with the destructive power of our sins and as God he has the divine capacity to deal with them this is why at his public debut repentance is first on Jesus agenda the great exchange I would exchange my sinlessness for your sin so to close a final Discovery question, number five. What is so important about repentance? What is so important about repentance? Well, before I paint the bad news, let's remember that in the Bible, repentance is a very big word. Uh, It's far more comprehensive than shedding tears for sin, saying sorry, resisting temptation, and to stop cheating on anything. Repentance is a very big word. With repentance in God's great plan, he has a far bigger agenda. It's global and supra-global, what he sees as the corrupt, decaying, defiled, putrid rottenness that is polluting and destroying humanity, devastating the world in which we live, and perverting us. Now, if that sounds serious, of course it is. As I say, it's not just personal, like pride, envy, gluttony, lust, anger, greed, and sloth, the so-called seven deadly sins. But the prophets, especially Amos, teach the deadliness of sin is not just seen in our offending human record, 
It reaches out far, far further. Sin touches every self-centered decision that wrecks lives, destroys villages, towns, and homes. It contributes to fire and flood, to illness, dishonesty, and the breakup of families. It's the heart of the Holocaust, anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, and every possible hate crime. Abuse and rape are its playground. Gambling and debt destroy families. Sex crimes, which I know from my work in prison, destroys hearts and lives of victims and perpetrators alike. Sin fakes the news, starts wars, and damages God's planet, perhaps near fatally. Scientists say the doomsday clock is now just 100 seconds to midnight. That's the global catastrophe. It's all part of our calamitous rebellion against God. Well, this is very bad news. Of course it is. But it's not the end of the story. Because in the baptism and genealogy of Jesus, in fact, you have notice of very good news indeed. How good? As a human being, Jesus identifies with our sins, and as God, he has divine capacity to deal with them. I will exchange my sinlessness for your sin. You see the plot unfolding, how it, uh, how it develops? The trailer, the baptism of repentance, the catastrophe of sin finally revealed, and the full feature the cross, Jesus dies. The righteous for the unrighteous to bring us to God. That's the great exchange. Well, I don't know how you respond to this question, but when you, do you hear the news, do you sometimes feel uh, dismayed, discouraged, even depressed at the, the dismal, unquenchable march of greed, crime, war, deceit and exploitation? plus our own failings, our squabbles, our distorted hopes and aspirations, and death itself. Where does this come from? Where does it come from? The Bible says it comes from our human rebellion against God. You'll know these words, Romans 3.23. All have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. Sin has sunk its teeth into everything. Well, if we left it there, uh, the story would end horribly. But surveying this profound need for repentance, honestly, this is where my spirits lift, and I hope yours do too, at the Jordan River. It's why Luke makes such a big deal of this. For here, our rescue begins, the final battle. Jesus sets out on the rocky road to deal with the putrid rottenness that is polluting humanity, comprehensively and eternally. This is why the voice from heaven is filled with joy. This is my son who I love, with you, with you, I am thrilled. And shouldn't we be too? Thrilled, relieved, joyful, grateful. And if that's so, should we not let that joy prompt our hearts to worship Jesus and to sign up for God's maximum effort, the Messiah rescue plan, which began that day in the River Jordan when my boy got baptized? Let's pray. I think you may want to pray, uh, to think back over this passage and just speak back to God in your own way, and I will do too, just in the quiet.